Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Yes, we're going there today. We've just finished looking at Paul's method of evangelism. Today what I want to do is look at Cornelius' way of evangelizing. This is kind of going to suit everybody. I told you I will give you enough that everybody will be happy. Okay, because the Bible, you know, talks about just different ways of reaching people. And that's really what we're looking for. We're looking to see how God will lead us according to the way that we are. You know, the, the, each one of us have gifts and abilities and talents. Nobody is without gifts. At one stage, I, I was, I did this wrong, okay? Um, you know, I, I was sort of looking for what we needed and then try, trying to assign people to those things. And uh, that doesn't work because if you have to coerce or, I'm, I'm trying to find the right words here, uh, kind of make people do things because, you know, it needs to be done, then you have to keep making them do those things. Yeah. You know, and, and God just said to me, I, I said, God, how do I do this? He said, just watch. I said, what? He said, just watch. People naturally flow in their gifts. They will tell you by their lifestyle what their gift is. And I thought, oh, is that all I have to do? And he said, then direct that accordingly. And when I say accordingly, I mean according to the Spirit. Okay, just because somebody can do something doesn't mean they should be doing it, by the way. Amen. Okay, if they don't know how to do it, as unto the Lord. And all that could get in trouble. Now, anyway. So today we're going to see something very different. Now, I want to cover these before we go on and look at some other things that we're still kind of, uh, how can I say, we're skirting the edges still. We haven't hit center on purpose. Because once I hit center, dead center, then we move and we start to do things. Okay? All right? So I want to cover all the bases and then we'll sort of circle, I'm kind of spiraling inward. Okay, so that once we hit that center, we'll have all the information to move forward and do what we need to do. Amen. So, <laughs> now that we've seen how the Apostle Paul took the gospel out to the people, let's see why this will work so much better in a home fellowship setting. Remember I said that's what we're heading for now. Okay, first and foremost, since people who will be attending these home fellowships, will be coming voluntarily. See, this is your first big advantage. All right? You're not going out to them. They're coming to you. Because they will be coming in voluntarily, they will be more receptive to what is being ministered, especially if those ministering to them treat them with the utmost love and respect. Somebody say amen to that? Okay. Second, since we'll probably already know these people in some way or form, whether they're family or friends or acquaintances or whatever, okay? <laughs> or friends of family, you know what I'm trying to say? One way or the other, we'll kind of know them somehow, all right? We will already be connected to them and therefore have the advantage of knowing something about them, where they're coming from before we even begin. See, remember I said again, it is so important to understand and know where people are coming from. We're not assaulting them with the word of God. You're here, okay? We need to relate first. We need to talk to them. We need to get to know them. You know, this isn't something that we stick on our little belt and say, got another one saved this week. That's not how this works. 
Are you all here? Amen? We are speaking to people's hearts. And people know when you're genuine and when you're not. When you're a project and when you are someone they really care for. Amen? All right. To my way of thinking, it's good to know all the advantages and to be grateful to God, okay, <laughs> for not having to go out and do something that is difficult and challenging and, to me, even unnatural. You know, when you just go out there and one-on-one -on -one evangelize, now some people can do that and they do it great, but see, that's still kind of almost like wi winning an argument. Do you know what I'm trying to say? You know, you might win the battle, but you lose the war. This, this isn't what, we're not out there to win battles. We're out there to win souls. There's a big difference. And it's not about, you know, did we have a better argument than somebody else? The question is, did we connect with people? Do we connect with people? And that takes time. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. You know, you just... Anyway. All right. So... And by the way, those sort of things haven't yielded very much. I'll give you some statistics at the end, all right, that will actually surprise you. <clears throat> to me, what's most encouraging is that this type of friendship evangelism is found throughout the Word of God. It was the primary way that the Word of God spread in the early church, as people either told their friends and family the good news they had received and how it changed their lives, or they invited them to their homes to hear the good news proclaimed to them by a minister of the gospel. So that was the way they did it. They either just shared it, or they invited them home so somebody else could share it. We're going to see the second, okay, today. The Apostle Paul was heavily involved in this ministry, and why he said again in Acts 20.20, he says, How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. I want you to notice that he taught them both publicly and from house to house. The Holy Spirit, God will minister to people in every which way that you allow him to. We shouldn't ever discount anything. Amen? We must never limit God by our limited thinking. Amen? And so as we move forward, we really need to see that both of these things are in the gospel. He preached publicly and from house to house. Amen. Okay. Now we have some tremendous insight into what this actually looks like. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. When the apostle Peter this time is asked to go to the house of a Gentile named Cornelius and minister the word of God to him, his friends, and his family. So let's begin reading in verses 1 and 2, where it says, there was a certain, I want to give you context, all right? It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Verse 2, a devout man. Now, listen to this. One who feared God with all of his household. The word household there in the Greek is oikos, which is the word that we're going to be looking at. Okay, that's friends and family. All right, who gave alms generously to people and prayed to God always. Isn't that interesting, the two things that he did? He gave and he prayed. He gave generously and he prayed. He prayed all the time. All right? All right. Verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, 
And when he observed him, this is verse 4, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers, listen, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. Look at the things that turn up at God's throne. Verse 5, he says, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. This is really interesting. Why didn't this angel just preach to them? There are some things that are for us. If we don't do it, it won't get done. See, this is the problem we're still facing. We still don't get Genesis 1. We still don't get, and God said, let them have dominion. We still don't get that we were made in the image and the likeness of God. We didn't come out of apes. We're in God's image in God's likeness, and he says, after my likeness now, you do the things that I do. The way I rule heaven, you are meant to be ruling this planet. And we just keep running to him and say, why don't you do something about it? Do you know he looks at you and says, why don't you do something about it? You have my power. You have my spirit. You have my wisdom. I will work through you. <laughs> are you doing anything? No, you go do it. No, no. If you don't go, he doesn't go. Hmm. Yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just going to skip a few verses because we're not going to get through this otherwise. So Cornelius did as instructed. Okay, he sent his servants to get Peter. And it says in verse 9. Okay, let's go from verse 9 through 16. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near, near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Verse 10. Then he, came, he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Verse 11. And so heaven opened and an object like a great sheet. Notice it's not a great sheet. It's like, okay? Like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. Verse 12. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Okay, verse 13. A voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Verse 15. And a voice spoke to him again. And the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. So Pete objected three times. <laughs> okay, he's going, no, especially that crawling thing. What is that anyway? No, <laughs> I mean, I'm making light of it, but okay. I mean, maybe a few of those, Lord, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it says uh, it was done three times and the object was taken up uh, into heaven again. Please don't miss what happened here. You really need to get this in light of what we've already spoken about. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. You know, he just went to whatever extent he needed to go to, to fit in with people so that he could minister to people from a place of relationship. Are you all with me? Okay, that he became a servant. I mean, I would love to go back and, you know, you know what? Let's just go back and read that. Remember the Apostle Paul said, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, 
yeah, and to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law. Notice, okay? Not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. So he was never without God's law. All right? That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, he didn't say I became weak, he said as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He knew he couldn't save everybody. All right? But I want you to notice here, he says, now I do this for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. So notice he says, though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all so that I might win the more. And then he says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. So this is what he was doing. He was just, I mean, we read lots of commentaries on that. All right, he was going to whatever lengths necessary to get into their world and to do what was necessary. And I mean, I'm sure stuff was served to him that was still moving on the plate. It's like I like my food a little cooked at least, <laughs> you know? Look, it's getting away, <laughs> you know? Okay? I mean, it was a div- it's, was. I'm, I'm sure it was difficult, man. I'm sure there were things that he was just going, I, I can't do this. And the Lord's saying, eat the thing, <laughs> you know? Because you're going to insult them otherwise. Hello? Because, you know, you can't go in there, insist on your way, and then try to lead them to Christ. Doesn't work. Don't even try. So I want you to see something here. God did two things here with Peter. Number one, he was helping him to overcome his religious prejudices and his old way of thinking. He said, no, I don't, I don't touch anything common or unclean. That's now an old way. Christ has gone to the cross. Something has happened. Okay? And the second thing in relation to this He was actually giving Peter, and you need to catch this, he was giving Peter approval to enter the world of the Gentiles and to minister to them in the way that he needed him to. Amen? So he's saying, Pete, they offer this stuff, eat the thing. Pray over it and eat it. (laughs) Okay? That's why, you know, people say, oh, do we need to do something religious and pray over the food? Hey, it's not religious with me. I need to pray over the stuff. I don't know where it's been. I don't know who dropped it. I... (laughs) Y'all don't know where things have been. All right, continue on to verse 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate, verse 18. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Verse 19. While Peter thought about the vision, now see, Peter's really thinking about this. I would be too. Especially if I objected three times and the voice said the same thing three times. Hmm? He says, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, notice, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Verse 20, arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Verse 21, then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what, for what reason have you come? And they said, verse 22, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man. What, look, at, look at the way they talk about him, okay? 
A just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Isn't this something? Now, to continue, I want to jump to the New Living Translation because these verses are clearest in that version. All right, verses 23 and 24. So, because this is where we want to look at, okay? So Peter invited the men to be his guests for the night. The next day he went with them accompanied by some other believers from Joppa. Verse 24, this is the one. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius, watch now. Cornelius was waiting for him and had called together. Do you see that? Had called together his relatives and close friends to meet Peter. That's home fellowship. See, Cornelius didn't preach. Please get this, okay? Cornelius didn't go out there, try to become all things to all people. I told you, you know, if you can do that, hallelujah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe you're just a Cornelius. It's like, okay, God, you tell me who to invite. I'll invite them. The rest is up to you. I'll give you my home and I'll open the door to these people. But then you have to do the rest. See, and that's okay. You know, God didn't jump all over Cornelius and say, what is wrong with you? You obviously know something. I mean, you're giving to the poor. You're praying all the time. You must be a spiritual man. Can't you just bring all these people together and minister to them? See how people just get on our, you know, on our case. And then they take away the thing that you were happy to do and make you feel guilty. Then you try to do something that you're not called to do. Hello. And then it doesn't work. And then you just never want to do that again. Am I telling you the truth? Amen. See, stay in your gifts. Stay in your lane. Just do the thing. I keep telling you this. Be led by the Spirit. Do only the things that God asks you to do. Don't get creative. Amen? Don't try to do a little bit more. Now, God, I want to help you a little. Please don't. He knows how He's created you. He knows the gifts in you. And He wants you to shine in your gift and know and be a testimony to somebody else. See, sometimes when we overstep, and things don't work out. Do you know what we do? The next person that wants to do it, you tell them, well, now, you know, expect these things to go wrong. Do you know why? Because you overstepped somewhere. Now, can, I, can we work on that? If you did just the things God asked you to do, do you know something? It will work the way it was meant to work. And then you'll only have positive things to say, and you'll be able to say, and don't get creative like I did. <laughs> okay, you have the wisdom to say, just stay in the lane. Just do what God tells you to do. Stop there. Because we always want to say, thus saith the Lord, and. No, no, no ends. Just thus saith the Lord and then stop. I have seen that happen so many times people giving a word. You know, you, you, you'll know that there was like an anointing. They start speaking the things that God gave them. And then they feel like that was too short. And then they think, maybe I should say more. Hey, 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 hey. It's a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, not a whole paragraph. 
You know, when, you know when, you read the, when you read the gifts, it's a word. Keep to the word. Anyway, that's a whole other series. That'll come soon. Anyway, back to this, back to this. <laughs> so, here again we see the beginnings of a home fellowship. Notice that sometimes all you need to do is just invite your friends and family and let God do the rest through his anointed ministers. Everyone according to their gifts, remember? Okay. And so Cornelius goes in to tell Peter how God instructed him to send for him with verses 35 and, uh, 34 and 35 going on to say, I'm jumping down now, okay? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, this is incredible. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. We love that verse. Verse 35, but in every nation, I really need you to almost underline those two words, every nation, not just the Jewish nation, every nation. God so loved the world, every nation, okay? It says, but in every nation, whoever fears, and that's the word reverence as well, him, that is God, and works righteousness is accepted by him. Do you know something here? Peter has just said something that is incredible. He has recognized something that the Jews couldn't see. He said anybody that did the right thing, God accepted. I don't know about that. Well, you know, you might need to read about Rahab. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, she was the furthest thing, man. And she got into Jesus Christ's lineage. Obviously, God didn't care. He's always loved everybody. When Jesus said, God so loved the world, that was all the time. Amen, anyway. Okay. And he says again, uh, let's jump to verse 44. This is, this is incredible. Peter goes on to preach, okay? I'm not going to go through all of that. Verses 36 onwards through to verse 43. He, he begins to preach the word of God to them, and something amazing happens in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Now, notice it says everybody, all right? Verse 45, and those of the circumcision, all them Jew fellows, all right, who believed were astonished. This is not in our religion. This, <laughs> okay? No, you know, when they were astonished, they were astonished. They didn't just sit there and go, hmm, this is interesting. They were freaking out. You know the word astonished? <laughs> right? I mean, they were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Also, they're going, what is this? How come they got it? <laughs> okay. I mean, we thought it was us, man. We're just the, you know, chosen generation, chosen little nation. We got all this to ourselves. No, God was trying to get it to everybody. Do you know why they were chosen? It wasn't chosen so they could be special and, and just be elitist. They were chosen to do something. You know, if I pick Av and I say, Av, I choose you to do the cameras. I choose you. And he thinks, oh, I was chosen. And he sits there and feels very chosen. And nobody's operating the cameras. I'm like, dude, you were chosen for something. Get up and do it. Oh, but I'm chosen. Yes, to do something. You know, we might need to choose somebody else, which is what God did. 
He said, they just sat there and want to be chosen. Let's go get some people off there and get them doing something. Remember what happened with the Roman centurion? Hmm? Something very interesting. Because he comes up and, you know, Jesus says, I'll come with you. And he says, no, no, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And then Jesus goes off on a tangent. And I thought, Lord, you skipped the groove. What happened? And he does something incredible. He says, people will come from the east and the west and everywhere else. And he then says, I have not found so great faith, not in Israel. And he was prophesying the coming of the church. He was prophesying the coming of all the Gentiles who would believe like that centurion. Hmm? <laughs> We're here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, back to this. Oh, I love this. So I want to read verse 45 again. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the Gentiles also. Verse 46, I just want to read the first part. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Something was happening. It was unmistakable. That's how they knew they were filled with the Spirit because they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. Isn't that something? I have found that some days it goes beyond English. It goes beyond your normal language to just worship God and you just have to do it in the spirit. You know, and God has given each one of us a unique language to do it with. The very thing that was taken away from us at the Tower of Babel has been given back to us many times over. At the Tower of Babel, he just confused all their speech and they lost their ability to communicate. And on the day of Pentecost, it all came back on a higher level. On a level where the devil can't understand what you're saying. Amen. Because it's a mystery. That's why all the people that are trying to figure it out, stop trying. You're not smarter than, you're not smarter than God. <laughs> he, he did this. And every language, you know what, this is what I think is incredible. Every language is as unique as your fingerprint. We each have a very unique language. You'll never sort of hear me speak and then Pastor Verdi says, Oh, you can speak that dialect from what so-and-so was speaking. No, it'll all be different. That's why the devil can't figure the thing out. You know, you have a million people speaking a million languages. There's no commonality in that. Because you've got to figure out, you know, if Verdi says something, if I'm learning a language and she says and, you know, a particular word and then somebody else says a particular word and a certain thing happens because of that word, I'll associate that word with that thing and I'll go, okay, that means pick it up. Or that means throw it away. Okay, because I will work that out. But what happens when, every, when she says something and it's different to what somebody else says and the same thing happens but different things were said? I don't know what the other person going to, I don't know what that is. That's why the devil has attacked tongues so much because he can't understand the thing. And sadly, he's got the religious world to work with him. Isn't that sad? You know, we, we, we professed to believe in a supernatural God. And we're trying to make him natural. Everything about him is supernatural. 
It's miraculous. It's impossible. And it still works. Hallelujah. So in relation to what we're, we're talking about, it's bringing this to close, what's so significant here, again, is that all Cornelius did was invite his relatives and close friends and got Peter to preach to them. That's what's important. You need to see this, okay? All right, because as we move forward, this is what we're going to be doing as we start up our home fellowships, right? That's what you need to understand. If, if you're not a minister, it's okay. If you just want to use your home, thank you. We'll find somebody that doesn't have a home that can go minister in yours, okay? And this will train up the ministry as well. This is how you train up the fivefold ministry or just, the minister, just ministers in the gospel. You don't have to be a fivefold minister to be a minister. You know, you look at Stephen. Wow, man, he preached. You look at the, the, the message he preached. Yeah, he died for it, but you know, he preached a great message. And he had miracles. <laughs> Amen. It's for whoever believes. Amen. We'll talk about the differences when we get to it. All right, so. As a result of this simple act, they all got saved and filled with the Spirit. So Cornelius just invited his friends, his relatives. They came in. Pete came, did his thing. God did his thing. They all got, all of them went home speaking in tongues. Something would have, you know, that wouldn't have finished there. Because you know that would have influenced other people as well. Because their lives would have changed. And you start praying in the Spirit and the mysteries of God are being prayed. And the enemy has no idea what's going on. And he can't stop it from coming to pass. That's what happens. So you know things would have happened in their life and they would have said, what happened to you? Well, we went to Cornelius' house and this Pete turned up and he preached and this thing happened. Next thing I know, I'm babbling in another language. And things are, things are really turning out great in my life now. <laughs> you want it? <laughs> you know, we really need to figure out what the good news is. I'm going to talk, talk to you about that as we get to it. All right. <laughs> like I said, we're circling. We'll get to the center, okay? All right. Um, <laughs> So this again is what is called oikos evangelism or friendship evangelism and what we'll be majoring on in our home fellowships. It also gives us a model to follow and the means by which we can get our friends and family saved in a friendly, non-threatening, welcoming environment. Did you all get all that? Okay, all right. It is what the Apostle Paul himself did, as we saw in Acts uh, 28. In verses 30 and 31, where it said again, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. See, in his own house, he just invited them and said, I'm having home fellowship who wants to come. <laughs> again, they all turned up. Now here's a guy that, that opened up his house and ministered to people. So we got Cornelius who opened up, opened up his house and invited somebody. And we have Paul who just invited people and did it in his own house. Okay? All right. So whichever works, whatever. Now, as to, I told you I'd give this to you as we finish. As to why we're doing things this way and not going out there and trying to evangelize one-on-one -on -one the old-fashioned way. Dear God, I used to have trouble with that. Is because, and here's something, okay? Statistics show that, listen, that less than 5% of people who were approached in this way and were somehow coerced to make a decision didn't go on for the Lord. 
Did you get what I just said? However, over 95% of all those who were a part of a home fellowship or, listen, were invited to an evangelistic meeting by a friend or relative and gave their life to God in the process remained faithful because of the support structure that was available to them after their conversion. See, that's what it's all about. It's not just about making a decision, getting somebody to make a decision out there. What happens after that? You can't just leave people and walk off. And think you've done something great. All you've done is put a bullseye on them. Because now the enemy is going to attack them in every single way. Are you all with me? And that's the key and why we're doing things in this way. And why God, I believe, will bless it and prosper it. Hallelujah. Knowing that all those who come to him in this way will not be without someone to love them, train them, and be there for them. Did you get all of those things? They need to be loved. They need to be trained. And you need to be there for them. That means you need to pray for them, pray with them. Whatever it is they're going through, you need to be there. And they will learn from that and they will grow from that. And one day then they will do the same to someone else. They can only do what they've been taught. If they have never been taught to do this, they will never do it. Amen? I want to leave it there today. There's a great deal I want to share with you. We'll get to it next week. Okay, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we just thank you, Father. We thank you for the diversity in your word. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, that there isn't just Paul's way of evangelizing. There's Cornelius's way of evangelizing as well. If we are not out there, to, if we're not appalled to, that we can preach to people and we can minister the Word of God on, on a level that, that really can deal with issues and things in people's lives, if all we can do is invite somebody, well, that door is open too. That you are just as pleased with Cornelius as you are with Paul. Hallelujah. And we just thank you, Father, that somewhere between one and the other is everybody <laughs> in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And we have the word. We have the word to say that it's okay. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen.